thank you for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we pray big prayers to a big God and we expect big results. If you have any questions or you want to find out about who we are, visit us online at victory.church or download our mobile app. Now let's check out today's message. Y'all doing okay? I'm so grateful to be in a church with some people in it. This is fantastic. Sit down, sit down. I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here. I am um, so honored that I've got to spend the entire weekend with you all and uh, to serve uh, the men this weekend and then to serve the whole family today. It's a real treat and a real honor for me. Um, I'm going to teach you something that's going to upset you. Okay. And uh, it's based on something that God upset me with uh, when I read his word. And it's uh, found in scripture and it became a book. It's a book that uh, I brought and it's a book that I hope you would take home with you. Uh, I wrote this book from God's book, the Bible. And the scripture was Acts chapter number 17, verse number six. I'm going to say it exactly how it's read in Scripture. An angry Jewish mob found out that Paul and Silas were converting people to understanding that Jesus was their Messiah. And their response to that was this. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world! They shouted. So I had to shout. I mean, when you read the Bible, just go with the inflections that they give you. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. And now they're here disturbing our city too. I'm sure their voice went up on that last word. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world and now they're here disturbing our city too? And when I began to study this word in Greek, cause trouble, the word came out upside down. Paul and Silas have turned the whole world upside down, and now they're here to do it to our city too. So I came to upset you today. You might be thinking, you know, now that you're, you know, in the last quarter of 2020, Tim, no thanks. I'm already upset. When God gave me the title of the book, so many people asked me, why would you write a book called Upset the World? Ain't the world upset enough? I said, well, let's get back to the proper definition of the world. The word, it simply means to turn over. That's all upset means is to turn over, to turn upside down. Or if you're in the kingdom, to turn you right side up. And if that is the case, then there's no one in this room that claims that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior who haven't had their world turned, not turned upside down by him. So, so I, I, I want to preach a message that's uh, uh, found somewhere in the pages of my book, if you decide to get it. Um, 
How many nerds do we have in the room? You like taking notes, you, you, you just, you're like, yes, I need to take notes on this and I'm gonna preach it in three days and act like the whole thing was mine. <laughs> keep your hand up, if you, if you take notes, you're a nerd and be, you should be proud to be a nerd. Now keep your hand up real quick. Now look around, those that have your hands up, look, at, look around at the people that do not have their hands up. <laughs> right? Those people will be working for you one day. Because whether you know it or not, nerds rule the world, okay? If you have a smartphone, you know your world is ruled by a nerd. I want to um, give you the title of this message, and then I'll pray, and I want to jump in, because once I start, I'm just not going to stop. You just got to deal with that, okay? So if you're taking notes on this message, the title of this message is How to Identify Upsetters. If you've had your world upset, I want to teach you how to spend your life upsetting others. But we need to identify what an upsetter looks like. How to identify others. Y'all got that, all my nerds? Good, bow your heads. Let's pray over the word and then we're going to jump right in, okay? Holy Spirit, upset us. Amen. That's the end of the prayer. I pray quick. I'm the one you want over for Thanksgiving dinner. You'll eat it while it's hot. By definition, an upsetter, what I've concluded, is a person who has been upset and upsets other. Very, very simply. An upsetter is a person who has been upset and they upset others. It's pretty simple. And if you've had your life turned upside down by the message, love, and hope of Jesus Christ, then my hope and prayer is that you'll spend the rest of your life seeking opportunities to do it to others as well. You can write a couple of these bites down. The kingdom of God is upside down. It is upside down from the world system. We understand that uh, as believers in Jesus Christ, we do the opposite of the stuff the world tells you to do to gain success, to gain influence, to gain notoriety. It would tell you that you need to reach the top. The gospel says you better go to the bottom. It would tell you that you need to lead. The gospel would tell you you need to serve. The world would tell you you can't trust anybody. The kingdom says place your faith in somebody. Build your hope on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So how do we identify people? Can I, can I spot some of y'all in here? I mean, if I look hard enough, could I, could I find out if you were an upsetter or not? I want to give you five characteristics of an upsetter. Y'all ready? Point number one, please write this down. Upsetters love Jesus. I know this seems like a no-duh statement, a no-duh point. But you got to have this correct. Upsetters love Jesus. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter number six, verses 23 and 24. This is how Paul ends the book of Ephesians, his letter to the churches in Ephesus. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love 
our Lord Jesus Christ. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this so important? Because we live in a culture that would be quick to say, yeah, I love God. Every single award season, whether it be the Billboard Awards or the MTV Awards or any of the awards, people that write some of the craziest, most vile music, the first statement that will be out of their mouth once they receive that award is, I'd like to thank God, giving me this talent to write this crappy song, corrupt the minds of youth everywhere. Just want to thank God for this talent, though. There's a difference between acknowledging God and accepting Jesus. There is a difference between having this, you know, I got my own personal relationship with God and I really don't do church and and, and I really don't do organized religion. But but you don't understand that 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 when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it leads to a relationship with other people that love Christ. It's community because we've accepted him, accepted him not just as Savior, but as Lord. I'm a, I'm a student of culture, and so I'm always listening to what's going on in culture, and I'm trying to find out exactly how to flip it, turn it upside down, for Jesus. And a few years ago, one of the colloquialisms, one of the idioms that became popular uh, amongst the young people was, oh, he took an L. Oh, he took that L. And I'm like, that's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to take an L. They, they would say, you're taking a loss. I'm saying you're taking your Lord. Not a, not, a, not a lowercase L, but the capital L, you are receiving the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You don't just know him as Savior. He saved you, but you have submitted to him as Lord. Upsetters love Jesus. And anything you love, you talk about. There is absolutely no way you could be at your job for three years and nobody knows you love Jesus, but they know you love burgers. (laughs) Nobody knows you love Jesus, but they know you love Game of Thrones. Nobody knows that you love Jesus, but they know you love shoes. For real? You've talked about all that other stuff and you've never mentioned the fact that a person died for you and saved your soul and that you are eternally happy about the fact that you're in relationship with him? How did you do that? Lovers love all the time. They they, they risk offending you with the love they have for whatever they have love for. I know people, I don't know why these people do it, but I know people that love chitterlings. You see how I pause for the dramatic? If you don't know what chitterlings are, you are blessed. Chitterlings are the suitcase, the very luggage for feces. 
and people clean them out and bleach them, never getting rid of the smell, but dousing it in hot sauce and eating it as a delicacy. Mm-mm. These chitlins is great. Not only is the delicacy offensive, so is the smell. And you proudly rep that. But won't say something about Jesus. Whatever you love, you talk about. Point number two, please write this down. Upsetters love people. Upsetters love Jesus, but upsetters love people. Now, I know there's a third of the people in this room that bristled when I said that because you thought to yourself, "Mm mm-mm. I don't like people. I'm not talking about your personality. I'm not talking about the way you're wired, whether you're introvert or extrovert, whether you're kind of standoffish, it takes you a minute to warm up to people, whether you're, you're more reserved and shy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to love the people Jesus died for. You cannot not love the people Jesus died for. And the way people will identify you is by the way you treat other people. Here's what it says in the book of Matthew, chapter number five, verse number 43. You have heard the law, this is Jesus talking, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. There's exclamation mark, so see how I read the Bible. Pray for those who persecute you. You need this one. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. Can I just stop right there? Do you know you can lose your God card? If you don't love people, you can lose your child of God card in the way you represent how you treat other people. Jesus literally said, here's how people will know that you're a true child of God, the way you love people. And then he gets personal because, you know, we'll receive that conditionally. Amen, Lord, I love people, the right kind of people. I love people that I already like. Then Jesus says, uh, for he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. We are commanded to love the unlovable. We We are commanded to love the disagreeable. We are commanded to love the people that don't even like us. I remember working for uh, a company called JWT Specialized Communications. It sounded real regal. All we did was tear out advertisements to make sure that we proofed 
uh, for the magazine companies that ads were actually being run and the magazines they paid uh, for space in. And uh, my friend Jeanette had got me the job and uh, uh, I started working there and it only took me about uh, seven to 10 days to realize that uh, the manager of our entire department was mean. She was a little lady, couldn't have been more than 4'11", five feet tops, okay? And she came in every morning like this. That little body produced that much sound. We all knew when she was coming to work because she... And everybody be like... I'm like, y'all scared of her? She too short to be scared of her? How are you letting this girl bother you? And they were like, oh no, she's mean. She can get us fired. And she's just really hard. And I said, why don't we start praying for her? To the other Christians in the room, they were like, oh. It's funny how a mean person can throw you off your assignment if you get in your emotions. So I said, why don't we just start praying for her? And they were like, oh yeah, I forgot we could do that. <laughs> so, so I was raised in, 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 in Pentecostal churches. So, so we got some EVOO. Everybody that watched Food Network knows what I'm talking about. Got some extra virgin olive oil. Because you can't use vegetable oil or canola oil or it's got to be E-V-O-O, okay? First press. It's more holy. Okay. We got some E-V-O-O. We came into work. We just started dabbing. Uh. Putting a little something on the seats. Uh. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 uh. Started praying up in that building. And then I went up and in her office, uh, she had like a little corner office with a view, and so uh, the copier was right next to her door. So I stood up on the copier, and I got the oil, and I made a little cross way at the top. Because she wasn't going to see it, because she was way down here, and the, and the door was way up there. So I just put a little, uh, there. Now, I didn't know that when the, when the air came on, it was going to make the oil slide down the door. So we all knew it was there, but she didn't. And we just began to pray, and then we, had, we had anointed everything, and we just waited. And Monday came. Tuesday. Wednesday. Thursday. Friday? We didn't even know she had got in the building. We were like, is, is she here? They were like, yep. Yeah, did you hear her come? We, we, we didn't hear her come. Maybe the oil. Then she came out. She always had her door closed. She was just mean. She flung her door open at noon. Everybody gasped. 
<gasps> she came out and she said, hey, I want to buy everybody pizza for lunch. What kind do you like? And everybody was like, is she trying to kill us? This can't be. Nobody said the prayers are working. They were like, she, she probably going to try to kill us. Over the next two months, her heart got softer and softer. And then my friend Jeanette that I got me the job led her to Jesus. And she's a believer to this day. I, I, I'm telling you, some of the people that, that, that you're praying that God would do something to, get them, Lord. Right, you start reading all the Psalms, break their teeth, Lord. Crush them, Lord. Some of y'all think God is Zeus. Strike them down, Lord. Do you know how much God loves the person that hates you? And, and what if identifying your haters wasn't to sick God on them, it was for God to sick you on them? Which brings me to point number three. Upsetters are spirit-filled. Because you obviously didn't think that you were going to be able to love your enemy by yourself. <laughs> You're going to need the Holy Spirit to do that. Upsetters are spirit-filled people, sensitive to God's voice, sensitive to his nudging, his prompting, and available to be used when he says so. Here's the, voice that, here's the verse that I want to read you. It's Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 18. This verse is one of my favorite verses in Scripture because there is tension in it and there's this comparative analysis that just kind of makes me scratch my head, okay? Here's what Paul says. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the first time I read this, I thought to myself, really, Paul? You are a Pharisee, you know the law, you are brilliant, you are a theologian. I mean, you have given us Romans. I mean, it's a theological treatise. You, you've given us 1st and 2nd Corinthians. You, 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 you've, you've gone to the third heaven and, and whether you were in the body or out of the body, you don't even know. And, and, and so I know that you have very good revelation. And this is the best comparative analysis you have for God, the Holy Spirit. The, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, out of all things to compare him to, you compare him to a bottle of wine? Paul, you lazy. You didn't have nothing else to say? Don't, don't be drunk with wine, because you know that'll ruin your life. Instead, aha, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thought to myself, Man, that's just, okay, be filled. Years ago when I was a young adult pastor, I was teaching through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New, every place where the Holy Spirit showed up, showed out, moved in people, sat upon people, empowered people to do amazing things. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He allows ordinary people to do extraordinary things because he's on the inside of them. That's really what the book of Acts, full title, is called. The Acts 
of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. This wasn't their miracles. It was really the Holy Spirit's miracles through these men. So I'm teaching this to young adults and, and, and I'm getting to the crescendo now where I'm going to have a night where people can be filled with the Holy Spirit and, 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 and open up their hearts and their minds that, that, that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit and have something uh, uh, miraculous happen in their lives. And so I have all my notes. I had studied all week and, and I get in the car to drive down uh, to the church and the Holy Spirit says, hey, I need you to throw those notes away. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, your, your, your whole sermon is confusing. And you're just going to confuse everybody. So I just, need you to, I just need you to throw those notes away. I'm like, how come you didn't tell me this before I studied? <laughs> this whole week. He said, listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the liquor store and buy a bottle of vodka. I said, the devil is a lie. I said, this is the devil right here. This cannot be the Lord telling me to go to the liquor store and buy a bottle of vodka. And while I'm trying to rebuke the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reminds me, you who, Tim, you have never been drunk in your life. So this is not a temptation for you. I need you to go down to the store and buy a bottle of vodka. So I said, OK, Lord. So I went to the liquor store on the opposite side of town that the church was on. Because I don't know how delivered the church folks really are. So I didn't want to just, I didn't want to walk in there and they'd be like, you too? I, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know. I didn't know. So, so I go to the liquor store on the other side of town and I walk in. I have never been in a liquor store in my life. It just wasn't my struggle. Wasn't my issue, Did nothing that, that I like. And so I walk in, I try, to, I try to walk in like I knew. I don't know what aisle this stuff is on, I'm just. And I found a bottle of vodka, I looked at the price and I said, dang, vodka? People pay to drink you? I went to the front cash register and I put it on there, put it on the counter confidently. And he said, would that be all? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he scanned it, and I was like, and he just handed it to me, and I was like, can I have a brown pa paper bag for this? Because I've seen that in movies, you know. Just... So I put it in the paper bag and twisted it up, and I walked out. I got to the church, my assistant got out the car, I handed him the vodka. I said, take that. <laughs> he was like, what is happening? said, hey, I'm going to preach a message. When I get up there, I'm going to tell you when to bring it. And he's like, okay. So I get up to do my message. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to teach you guys about the Holy Spirit. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse number 18. And they turned to it and I said, hey, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I asked my assistant to bring me the bottle of vodka. He gave it to me. I took it out of the brown paper bag. And I put it right on the podium. And I just stepped away from it. And everybody was like. You know when a preacher does something awkward and everybody says like, I don't, mm. I'm going to give him two minutes, baby, and then I'm going to go to the bathroom first. You come right behind me. 
We're going to get out of here safe. <laughs> Pointed to the bottle of vodka. I said, there's no one in this room that could drink this entire bottle of vodka and stay the same person. said vodka is, cons is considered a hard liquor. It's referred to as a spirit. And if you were to get filled with the entire spirit that's in this bottle, it would change the way you walk, it would change the way you talk, and it would change the way you act. Now I know this is an honest church because at the nine o'clock service, they, was, they were so honest. I was refreshed. So by a show of hands, how many people in here have ever been drunk in your life? You have been drunk. This is, okay, this is actually a higher percentage than the nine o'clock service. <laughs> nine o'clock service about 72%. Congratulations, y'all, about 90%. 90% of the hands. Y'all were spirit-filled before you knew what spirit-filled was. Okay. Now, how many people in this church have been so drunk you don't remember the day before. Like, I mean, you have been drunk, drunk. Happy to report that's not as many hands as those that were just regular drunk, which means that this is not an AA church. Praise God. Y'all have passed the test. But you know, when you get filled with that spirit, you change. And I realized Paul wasn't being lazy in this comparison. He was actually brilliant because he was saying the same effects that I've seen happen when people consume too much alcohol is the same effect I've seen happen when people get filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, uh, it changes the way you walk. I, I, you know, before breathalyzers, before the technology came for people to to know what their bl blood alcohol level was just by blowing air, the way they, the way a cop, they would pull you over and they say, I don't know if he's drunk or not. They were like, okay, tell him to walk in a straight line. Because being filled with the spirit changes the way you walk. And the jokers would get out the car, they're like, walk in a straight line. And the jokers would be like, oh, it's not me, officer, the line is just, oh, it won't. It just won't stay. I'm just trying to, oh. Changes the way you walk. It changes the way you act. Have you ever seen a really reserved person get filled with a liquid spirit? Them jokers change. They call it liquid courage. They get bold. You come out, you like, this is, can't be the same person. They ready to fight people? Three times bigger than them? I will knock you out! <laughs> Somebody has to go get them. <laughs> Please forgive me, it's just. <laughs> she had too many, she had too many. She's sitting there, no, I'll do it. I will do. I will do it! We go. Changes the way you, changes the way you act. 
It changes the way you talk. I'm surprised how many spirit-filled believers are, 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 are ashamed or embarrassed of their prayer language. But you were speaking in tongues when you was drunk. <laughs> you remember that last time we came over there? I don't know how to see that. But they had done it. And then the last time they get. <laughs> Your uncle's just drunk and talking, and everybody's like, mm, I'm, mm. And the aunt comes and is like, baby, he's just talking about his football days again. And you're like, auntie, you, you could understand him? You have the gift of interpretation of tongues. You do understand that everything in the kingdom has a counterfeit in the world. So if you get filled with the spirit, it will change the way you walk. You won't walk crooked, you'll walk straight. You'll have character, you'll have integrity. You'll have, you'll have a devotion to God and a fidelity to God that wasn't there before if you get filled. Now, I want to say this. There's too many sipping saints in the church. Well, well I don't want to get filled because I don't like losing control. I'll just... Mm. Just, ooh, a little bit of Holy Spirit is just good for me. But I don't want too much because I might lose control. No, you want to surrender control. You want him leading your life. You don't want to lead your life. It changes the way that you act. You just start acting different. People that you would usually punch in the throat, you're like, oh, give me a hug. Ooh, 11 years ago, I would have shot you. But God, who is rich in mercy, is why you're alive. And it changes the way you talk. Yes, you, you can receive a beautiful prayer language and, 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 and have a, a language that, that you couldn't have taught yourself. You don't understand it. The Holy Spirit speaks through you but it'll also change the conversation of your native tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you talk about becomes different. Yeah. Where it used to be gossip, you stop that and go, no, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna get into that type of conversation. I'd rather talk about how we can help that person overcome what they're involved in. Upsetters are spirit-filled. Which brings me to point number four. Please write this down. Upsetters do good. Upsetters do good. I want to redeem the word do-gooders for the church of Jesus Christ. I want us to be a room full of do-gooders. Here's what it says in Acts chapter number 10, verse number 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, I was born and raised in black Pentecostal churches. Hammond B3 organ, praise breaks, three-hour services, a two-hour lunch break, another four-hour revival, and that was just Sunday. They had a little time clock where you punched in for Jesus. 
So, 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 so we used to do laps around the church and pick them up and put them down. And I mean, all of that. Right. And we talked about the fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire, fire, Lord, fire, fire, Lord, fire, fire, Lord. And everybody. Would go, oh. I mean, it would just be. That, those are my that, that's that's my default. I mean, that, that's the church I grew up in. They, they, they talked about the power and they were always looking for a demon. Always looking for a demon. And if you didn't have one, they would make one up. You got that old lipstick demon. You see how red that lipstick was? She need to wipe that off. That's a demon. I'm like, I didn't know CoverGirl was into demonic makeup. He has a long hair demon. You see how long his hair is? Shouldn't come past his shoulders. We got to get that demon off his shoulders. I was like, what? I'm all for the miraculous. Pastor John just gave us an amazing testimony. Somebody had a tumor that covered 50% of their bladder. They went in to get it out and it was gone. That is something we celebrate and we rejoice in. That's awesome. God is a healer. He is faithful to heal. He may or may not ever use you to raise the dead, heal some blind eyes, open up deaf ears, heal somebody that has leprosy, make the lame walk. But every single one of us can do good. And if you want inspiration on doing good, I just read you the scripture. Jesus went around doing good and miraculous stuff. It was always, let's do some good and let's do the miraculous. Do you know that Jesus' first miracle had nothing to do with resurrection, had nothing to do with healing, had nothing to do with, with the restoration? His first miracle ever was at a wedding, turning water into wine. That's just nice. Just a nice Jewish guy showing up to a wedding, they run out of the best wine, then they run out of the cheap wine, and he's like, I think I can help. <laughs> this is a nice guy. Can you imagine if you had a party at your house, and, and, and you had some nice wine, and, and you drunk enough not to get drunk, because you remember what Paul said, and so, but the wine was still out because a lot of people came and Jesus just went to your faucet and tapped it. And was like, turn up. That would just be nice. Jesus going through Samaria, it says he needed to go, but he didn't actually need to go anywhere. He was Jesus, he could went whatever he wanted to. But he decided to go hang out at a well until a woman who had been ostracized from her community came out and he talked to her and her whole life was changed. That's just a nice guy. Jesus goes to one of his disciples' house, Peter, and finds out his mother-in-law is sick and he just goes into the bedroom and heals the mother-in-law. And she pops up and cooks breakfast. Nice. I love great mother-in-laws. My mother-in-law is one of them. Jesus went around doing good and so can you. And if you're filled with the Spirit, then you will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting 
on the nice things he would like to do for people if he had people upset enough to want to upset others. So about four months ago, uh, I was uh, preaching in Tulsa and I was driving back and my gas tank was on E because I'm one of those drivers. The light comes on and I'm like, suggestion. I know my car, I got 80 miles easy with the light on, okay? So I was about to drive back and uh, so I put in the GPS to, to go to this particular gas station and I, even following the GPS directions, I, I, I got turned around somewhere and I wound up at another gas station by the same name about four miles down from the one I was intended to go to. And uh, I pull up and I get out and I start pumping gas. I see a man on the other side of the pump talking to a man. I thought they knew each other. That's how friendly their uh, chat seemed to be. Uh, but as I was into pumping my gas, this older man on a cane comes around the corner and he says, uh, hey young man, uh, I, I'm, I'm in a very vulnerable position. I'm, I'm trying to get some money so that my family can eat today. My wife says that I'm full of pride because and, and, uh, I won't ask for help when I need it and I just wanted to know if, if, if you would help me. Anything you can give me will help. I'll go right to this fast food place and get some food. And while he's talking, before he even explains this whole situation, the Holy Spirit said, give him $100. And you know it's the Holy Spirit because it's never the dollar amount you would give. You feel me? Because the devil ain't trying to bless people that good. But we always question. We be like, mm -mm, mm, hold on, 100. 100? Surely a 20 will help this guy. He said, give him $100. And so I said, okay, sir, as soon as I'm finished pumping, I didn't tell him the amount, but I said, as soon as I finish pumping, I'm going to go get the money. He said, okay. So I went inside, went to the ATM. I withdrew $100. I came back out. And I folded up the money, I put it in his hand, I looked him right in the eye and I said, sir, this is $100. And before I can say my next words, he starts sobbing. And his head goes down and he starts. And I looked at him and I said, sir, I don't know if the story you just told me is the truth or not. But I know the Holy Spirit told me to give you this money and I just wanna be a blessing to you. He starts weeping. And then he says, will you pray for me? So right there at pump 14, <laughs> I put my hand on his shoulders, started praying for him. And he said, thank you, thank you so much. And he got back in his car, and this moment for me is emotional, but he got in the car, I watched him get in his car. So I'm like, okay, well, he didn't okie doke me on that. There's his car right there. He got in the car and he got ready to start it and he leaned back in the seat and he looked up and he shook his head. He just buried his chin in his chest and was still wiping tears from his eyes. And I got to see the whole thing. And what moved me so much was God, you trusted me to partner with you to be a blessing to him. 
I didn't accidentally wind up at that gas station. God knew he wanted to bless that guy and he knew he could get it through me. That's the way I want to live my life for the rest of my life. Which brings me to point number five. Upsetters love life. Upsetters love life. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter number five, verse number two. Live a life filled with love. Would you all say that first sentence with me? Live a life filled with love. Again, louder. Live a life filled with love. Love. One more time, real loud. Live a life Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice to us, a pleasing aroma to God. Live a life filled with love. You might be saying to yourself, I, you don't know the kind of life I've had. It's hard to pour some love in there and it actually stay. I've poured some love in there before, but it's fallen out the bottom. Well, I can tell you I know what that feels like. I, I love my life. I'm, for, I'm a 45-year-old man who looks 30. We really don't crack. We just don't crack at all. That melanin is popping. But I love my life in spite of the fact that when I was eight years old, I was sexually abused by a neighbor that lived across the street from me for over a six month period of time. I love my life that in spite of the fact that at 12 years old I was exposed to pornography, by the time I was 19 I was a full blown porn addict, highly promiscuous, low self esteem, a people pleaser, low self worth. I went through some traumas. But none of those things I just mentioned are as traumatic or upsetting as January 14th of 1996, which is the day that I laid, gave my life to Jesus and he turned my whole life upside down. I, I don't love my life because it was absent of bad stuff. I love my life because in spite of the bad stuff, God did a good thing. And so love the life you have. I don't know what cards you were dealt. I don't, I don't know what experiences you had to endure, but I'm telling you, you can still love the life that you have. Right before I came out, I got to uh, meet a man uh, whose testimony made me think he was lying to me. This guy is so put together and he looks amazing. His wife looks amazing. And then Pastor John just casually says, yeah, that dude did like 11 years in prison. I was like, no, he did not. But did you know that God can transform what the enemy meant to kill you and make it so good that no one will ever believe that you ever went through that thing to begin with the same Jesus that rose from the dead can raise you out of your situation as well. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I hope you've been upset. Oh, I really hope I upset you. 
I hope I upset you so much that you make a vow today that I'll be upset for the rest of my life. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want to ask you what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you through this message. Maybe it's one of the points that got you. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that, that as I was talking, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the speaking. Maybe he spoke something to you and said, yep, I want to address that right there. Whatever it might be, I want you to be open to the notion that God may want to bring you closer to himself than you've ever been before. Maybe there's a part of your life that you've refused to let him turn upside down. Maybe you've let him turn over your marriage and turn over your kids, and, but you won't let him turn over that attitude. You won't let him flip upside down that, that habit. Maybe you won't let go of that grudge. I feel like the Lord is saying to you, it's safe here. I'm not taking away anything from you that you need. I'm only taking away the things that you don't need. And so Holy Spirit, I pray for my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, My prayer is that in the same way that Jerusalem was turned upside down and Judea was turned upside down and Samaria was turned upside down and now Oklahoma City has been turned upside down and Edmond has been turned upside down and Irving has been turned upside down, I pray that you would visit this city, this family, this person too. And that by turning them upside down, you would turn them right side up and their lives would never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this week's message at Victory Church, where we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond themselves, and be transformed. The only way that can happen is through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would like to invite you to partner in giving towards this ministry. You can do that by visiting our website at victory.church/give or download our Victory Church app and select Give. Once again, thank you. And God desires for us to live life to the full.